Hey everyone, welcome to Know Your Gear QA number 111. If it was our temperature, we'd be dead. 111. Don't worry guys, soon where I live in Arizona, it will be 111. It's coming up soon, so it'll be hot. But uh, So we got a lot to talk about this week. Uh, a lot of big announcements this week we can talk about. Questions I'm sure we can cover. And um, also uh, got some questions already. And I thought I'd start out just hitting one while people are, are kind of joining us. Let's start with Harry Henderson. Harry says, what neck pickup with four conductor wire sounds like a Gibson 57 classic? I'd like to put one in my Floyd Rose guitar. So um, you're talking about a neck pickup. Uh, obviously, the first pickup that sticks out four conductor wire for me is the Seth Lover by Seymour Duncan. Uh, that's a good pickup. It'll match that. They're kind of voiced the same, kind of the same vibe. If you're looking for something else, something cool, um, Guitar Fetish makes something called the Fat Pat. Uh, it's like 35 bucks, and it's a pretty decent uh, PAF, patent applied for, kind of replica pickup. Uh, definitely for that kind of money, probably worth trying. I've had good experiences installing them on guitars before, and uh, I seem to like a lot of the stuff I've tried off Guitar Fetish parts. seems like lately I've been recommending them a lot, but I don't have any affiliation, affiliation with them, so you guys know. Um, I don't even know anybody there, but doesn't matter. It's still like their stuff. So something like that. Also, another good one would be Dark Moon pickups. Uh, I did. Uh, hold on. Sorry, guys. I uh, I uh, used some of those pickups in one of the Sharp Max videos, and they were fantastic. And I think they come in a four conductor version. So, Harry, all those are probably uh, some good good starts right there. Try those. Plus, you know, there you go. Hope that hope that helps. Okay, so let's see. Anything else? Any other cool questions? Or do you want to go right on to the topics? Uh, let's see. Uh, hey, Phil. Okay, this is from Persianagato. Persian. I'm going to say Persianagato. I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> it says, hey, Phil. Don't you think the new 2019 SG standard is a downgrade from the 2017-2018 even though it's more money, that's a good question. Wonder what's uh, what what kind of pushes that 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 idea that it's a downgrade. I have a 2017, or mine's a 2018. I think my SG is a 2018, and Ralph's was a 2017. If I'm doing off memory, and uh, I like my 2018, or is it mine's a 2017? Now I'm confused. No, mine's a 2018. 2018 and Ralph's was a 2017. So let's take a look. I figured that would come up, uh, so I pulled up. The, uh, the the new Gibsons, and uh, since it seemed to be a topic this week to talk about, I'm sure a lot of you have seen. Oh, I don't know every coverage on it on the planet, <laughs> Guitar World, Guitar Magazines, Guitar Player, Premier Guitar, YouTubers, Extraordinaires, you name it. We we're all talking about Gibsons new guitars. So this is the SG standard uh, you're talking about. So up to seventeen ninety nine. And uh, this, I'm sure this is what we're talking about. SG standard 61. That's definitely what mine feels like is the 60s. Um, I noticed the tuning keys went back to Cluson styles, right? Style versus mine, which has the Grover locking keys. I like locking keys better, but I don't have a problem with the, the tuning keys, I, at least from a value perspective. Um, cause it's hard for me to say, yeah, that's, it's my preference. I like the locking keys over the, 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 uh, Cluson style, but there's as many players that like the clues on his lockers as well. Uh, Slim Taper Neck, Mahogany, Graph Tech. Oh, Nut Materials, Graph Tech? So it's like a a tusk nut? Because it's not black, right? Oh, I'm trying to look at it, guys. I'm trying to get pictures. Here we go. Um, 
And um, so I'm looking for the downgrades. I'm not looking. First Brucker 61 R's. That's I think that's what mine has is those 61s. I don't remember them being called burst buckers, but mine is called a 61R and a 61T. I'm sure they're the same. If I'm mistaken, it's possible. Aluminum stop bar. So I'm not noticing anything really different. I don't remember mine being a GraphTech co uh, labeled component, but that could be, it can be. Uh, and obviously the new lineup. So it's interesting that you pointed that out because I think I didn't even look at that. What I focused on was the Les Paul standards, the 60s and 50s now being 24 99 let's stop that screen share so i can go back to you can see me instead of gibson's which is that's the downgrade you get to see me now instead of those gibson's um so um i'm not sure i didn't really see it um i thought i thought mine new was supposed to be 15 so they went up a couple hundred bucks and uh i kind of i, I kind of see that coming right you would you would imagine the sgs would they'd have to normalize pricing I, i'm I'm guessing i'm gonna guess that a lot of decisions made by the new gibson corporation are going to be a lot of smart decisions right that's what happens when you come back from bounce back from bankruptcy new ownership new management you're going to make a lot of good choices now hopefully because you're going to need to and some of those choices are going to be like hey the sg doesn't sell probably is maybe you know I, well, i'm sure they sell a lot of them because there's less money so maybe it can tolerate a little bit of a price hike the, the gibson les paul will get a little bit of a price drop it seems like it's seems like a smart moving smart smart move um so i everything i saw seemed like a smart decision i mean here's the thing with this i all i can say is this you know it's funny you get you get you get it's here's i just want to say this this is just something to say to the us gear freaks out here all us for gear freaks for years we've all been complaining about gibson and this this stuff they did the weird stuff robo tuners and i'm not i'm generalizing I, at least i'm calling myself out these are all the things i've complained about robo tuners weird push pull pots that do weird stuff uh you know just weird guitars in general uh weird models just weird decisions that i didn't identify with and considering i'm a guitar freak i mean i just bought a gibson again look i just bought another one that one right there <laughs> so uh in fact last week so it's funny somebody actually put on the last week's show that i don't like gibson and i was like i was like oh okay and then it hit me i'm like you know what's funny i think i've bought more gibsons on videos like i have a, i have more videos about me buying guitars they're almost all gibsons so uh, so anyways but anyways back to the gibson um what they did is they listened Everything we complained about, they got rid of. They got rid of the weird stuff. They streamlined the process. They gave us the guitars we seem to want. Seems pretty good, right? We talked about this before. Obviously, when this the new uh, CEO took over, you know, he promised a lot of stuff, and we said we'll see what happens. And this is what we're seeing. The no we're noticing and seeing that they're listening. I say upgrade across the board. Uh, if you're a Gibson fan, I don't see. Here's why I say it's upgrade. If you're a Gibson fan, if you're a Gibson fan, I don't see where you would be disappointed. But I'd like to hear your thoughts if you are. And if you're not a Gibson fan, I think maybe this will help you go a little bit down that road. So either way, it seems like a smart move. Uh, me personally, I stick with what I always stick with, which is uh, twenty four hundred for the new standard. Seems like a much better deal comparatively to PRS. Think about this. That really is an interesting thing because I've always looked at the Gibson standard as being a comparable product to a, a Paul Ray Smith custom 24 and now a custom 24 is like $3,200. So it's, it's $700 less to get a, a less Paul. Now I'm not, that's not a fact. That's just my impression. That's just me. If I'm in the market for uh, a high end guitar, iconic guitars, 
you know, a Strat is $1,500. If you want American standard Strat, if you want an American standard Gibson Les Paul, $2,500. And if you want the standard quote unquote, you know, the thing that get, that PRS makes, it's the custom 24. And now his guitar is really priced. It seems priced out of alignment when the standards were at least 3,200. I think that's what they were before. At least you thought he was in line with the Paul Reed Smith market and uh, vice versa. So I don't know, just makes the Gibson look like a much more appealing instrument. Um, the other thing I like about the new price drop is it helps lower the prices. I bought this sucker for $16.99 used. This is a 2016. It looked like it was brand new. I don't even think anybody breathed on it, much less played it. And I uh, saw it for $16.99. You can't beat that deal. You can't. You, uh, I dare you guys to find it. I looked. You couldn't find a better deal on a gold top Les Paul standard. So it had to come home with me. So <laughs> And uh, sadly enough, something will have to go away. Something, it's how it works, right? It's uh, that will come in and some poor guitar will go on the hatchet somehow. I'll let you guys know which one I end up killing off. So maybe we'll have a, like one of those survivor games. <laughs> maybe that made be an interesting video. Wow. I made the decision to get rid of the guitar. That's going to help me kind of uh, supplement that that Les Paul right there. Uh, Mr. Gixer 1300R says, congrats on the Dan Electro. Yeah, that Dan Electro right there. I did the video yesterday for that. Super stoked about that. Thank you again to Steve and the guys at Dan Electro. Uh, I'm, I'm super, super stoked. It, it was, uh, it was a cool thing, man. That's like a cool thing. Uh, a lot of people, I really empathize. Uh, they were, a lot of people were saying in the comments like, man, that's really cool. I've never had that experience. I, I never had that experience either. So it was really cool, man. It was, it was up there. Um, especially for me because, um, I don't do birthdays and stuff. I don't do uh, wrapped gifts. Um, the last wrapped gift I think I had was probably, I was 12 years old. So I don't do wrapped gifts and, uh, my family doesn't really get me gifts that way because they know I'm not really into that. So it was kind of cool. It was like, uh, like, a, oh, is this what I'm missing? I don't really do this kind of stuff. So, <laughs> um, yeah, Spencer's agreeing, man. He's a great idea. We'd like to see your decision, uh, making process and how, uh, you let go of a guitar. Yeah. And you know what it is, uh, Spencer, I like stuff like this because one of the things I love about this YouTube channel or YouTube in general and having, uh, communities like this is I think a lot of times everything gets focused on information, you know, tell me the answer. And I think sometimes it's more spiritual than that. So I, I think it'd be a good idea too. I think I'll do it because, uh, you'll probably find that it won't be a rational decision. It'll be an emotional decision. That's how you, you know, I would love logically, I'll probably have a reason to, to get rid of a guitar, but down to it, it'll be an emotional decision. It'll be something silly like that. Brian said he got his 2016 Les Paul standard for 1700 too. Yeah. See also. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And, but this is a gold top. So Brian, so, um, what's funny about that is, uh, that's, I think 17, which is a great deal. It, we both got great deals, but I think it's harder to find the gold tops. I just can't remember Brian, if yours is a gold top, I thought yours was a burst and, um, and I actually probably like the burst as much, but it's hard to find gold tops now. In fact, I think of this. Uh, so on back on the new Gibson guitars, 2019, the only thing I was me personally was a little like bummed out about is I think I like the sixties neck more than the fifties neck. Although I like them both. I like sometimes a chunky neck. I have one of each on my Les Pauls. I have a thicker neck and I have a thinner neck and I kind of move back and forth to which one I like. Anyways, I think on the new Les Pauls, if they had the gold top in the sixties, I think it'd be an easy choice for me, but the gold top fifties, you know, um, 
I didn't know. You know what I mean? Especially because it's a new company, new guitars. I'm also afraid that they've changed the neck profiles a little bit. So I'm, I'm going to try and put my hands on some. It's uh, it's tough, right? All of us. It's it's funny. It's funny thing about Gibson and, and Fender and all these companies when they keep revamping all the time and redoing stuff. It's like this thing that you're used to. They change. <laughs> and so it makes it tough. Uh, Mike Martinez says, Stu Mac neck jig. Is it worth the money? Um, Stu Mac. Okay. So real quick. I need to look at this, Mike, because you're saying neck jig. Um, are you talking about the thing that you use to router out the neck joint? Are you talking about, I just want to make sure I can go on Stu. I'm doing it right now. So I'm going to double check this stuff. Last week, somebody said that it, uh, when I did the mini, uh, pickup question, I didn't research. I didn't look, I just, and, uh, it was cause we're getting towards the end of the show and I agree with them. Uh, the neck jig. Uh, yes, let me show you guys this and, uh, I'm, I'm a horrible person to ask, uh, for this. So let me screen share those of you listening right now on the podcast. Uh, we're looking at a neck jig. It's a device that looks like it holds the guitar, the, uh, the, um, Irwine neck jig, uh, right here. We're looking at $481. I'm not a fan of this thing, but I've never used one. Just looking at it just scares the crap out of me. <laughs> so, and wait, hold on. Just want to make sure this is the, oh, this is different. Oh, good thing we clicked in. See, I'm, I was thinking it's the thing that holds your guitar in the air. That thing freaks me out. Okay, so this, uh, it, it looks cool. I, I've never tried it. I have no experience with it. Um, none, but it looks cool. Um, like a man, like a man-made plaque, <laughs> right? You could, I would imagine it works great. I'm obviously a fan of, uh, of uh, Stu Mac tools, um, but 500 bucks, it's not something that's kind of peaked on my radar to go and buy yet so we'll see i try so you know stu mac i get a lot of uh i sometimes get a lot of griefing with guys for promoting stu mac so much and uh i don't like I said I, they're not paying me so um but um but the uh, thing with stu mac is i try to buy stu mac tools sometimes because i try to mentally instead of buying yet another guitar try to put that money into something else and sometimes i'll buy more tools because those tools will make my life easier so that's why i do that sometimes and they make good stuff and i'm happy with it um but uh i don't know i don't know i would love what do you guys think of this i we started i started doing working on this doing some review of more luthery tools and we started doing some of those and we, we know they're not going to get views but i thought it would be fun to put them out so let me know if that's uh yeah. Super jet one says, says, I'm surprised the jig is not $1,000. Yeah, I understand, man. I, yeah, I, I don't know, but I, I, I can tell you right now, maybe that's something they'll let me, uh, let me try out. Uh, why not? So, uh, I think it'd be cool. I want to start reviewing and notice I'm starting to do more of that too. I'm trying to review more stuff that, uh, you know, we're not seeing as much. So, uh, let's see. What else do we got? <laughs> Just jumped around. Okay. I'm trying to read Michael's. Michael's uh, question says, I expect to have to set up every guitar I buy regardless of the price since my preferences won't match the setup guy's preference. That's a good, uh, that's a good attitude. Um, and yes and no. And here's the, the thought on this, uh, Mike. Uh, I, I almost the same logic as you, but I have a couple caveats and here's where they are. Um, I don't think any instrument is going to come out of the box the way you love it to play. I don't think so. 
right? It's not my experience that that happens. I pull them out, and if the accent sometimes the action's close to what you like, sometimes it's you know it's it's kind of what you like, and you're there, and you're great. Um, and so yeah, you always have to make an adjustment. However, I find that and, and and when guitars are inexpensive, I don't think that's a great excuse for a guitar not to be kind of put together well. But I understand where we kind of have to make some concessions. But I hate it when guitars come out of the box and they're just unplayable. And it seems it's you can tell sometimes when a company's not putting any effort into an instrument. And something that I've experienced so many times that it's just kind of over time, you know, you just kind of get used to seeing it and as a as a red flag. You can also tell when a company's pushed to its limits. In other words, when you're seeing guitars coming out of a company and all of a sudden every guitar is just not that great and you know that they're either making them too fast or they're pu pushing them through too fast. So there's always caveats like that. But generally, yeah, I think it's a good idea to say, uh, well, you should always learn how to do a basic setup on every guitar. Everybody should know how to make basic and adjustments to your neck, basic adjustments to the, uh, to the intonation, all that stuff. Uh, in a world where you can physically buy a junk guitar for the same price or less than a, a, a somebody's going to charge you a setup fee, why not grab a guitar and start experimenting on it? I think it's a good, if, if you have the inclination, right? Some, some players, I, I have friends uh, that uh, can do great setups, but they, they take them to have setup uh, all the time. Either I do it or they have somebody else do it because they don't want to do it. I understand that. I can physically wash my truck, but I still take it to the car wash. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just don't want to do it. So I understand that too as well. Okay, uh, what else do we got? What are the good questions? Oh, you know what? We have some pin questions. Let me let me not forget those guys. Uh, Mary D said, happy Friday. Thoughts on the Chris Mitchell guitars? Huh. Well, now we got to look that up, Mary, because I don't know what the... Um, I know what Mitchell guitars are. That's Guitar Center. And uh, this is going to slowly turn into the Phil Googles Your Question show. <laughs> Uh, okay, where is it going? This could be that could be a new show. Uh, is it CMG? Uh, no, CMGs. Is it is CMG stand for Chris Mitchell guitars? I thought CMG was different. I Chris Mitchell guitars, CMG. Oh, okay. Uh, interesting, Mary. So this is very interesting. Hold on a second. I'm going to share with you guys in a second. Give me a second to, because this is actually interesting. Because I didn't know that that's what it stood for. Okay, so let me share what what the question was about. And I'm hoping this is the right thing. And if we're not, we'll, we'll correct it later. Uh, uh, Chris Mitchell guitars are CMG guitars. I'm starting the screen share, so you're looking right now. CMG guitars is a small... A company in the U.S. that make these guitars. RNA Music is the carrier of these guitars. They're they're one of the biggest dealers that I know for them. Uh, if you guys know uh, Ryan at RNA Music, I'll make sure I link them. I linked them last week too, but you know if you're interested in these guitars, these guitars are very sweet, uh, sound great, play great, and um, the goods and bads are uh, great guitar for the money. I don't know if you could beat a, the quality of this kind of guitar for the money. However, the resale value is pretty bad, so just make sure when you buy one. Uh, I went, I almost bought a used one for like 350 bucks or 400 bucks and I missed it. I just didn't get there fast enough. It was at a Sam Ash. I think knew they were like 1200 bucks. So, I mean, that happens. It's not a dig against the brand. I mean, let's be honest. Very few brands besides Gibson and Fender get to live in great resale land. The, 
The good news is, though, is even when we talk badly about a brand's resale value, keep in mind that if you bought a $1,200 TV, it sure isn't worth 300 bucks. So <laughs> it's worth nothing. And so, so I mean, guitars are still a value to, to be had. So, um, yeah, it's a good company. They also make really good amps as well. Something to think. I did originally a video a long time ago, and it was like 10 guitars you could buy for $1,000. And I think at that time, the guitar was 1000 bucks. So I'm assuming I haven't looked since I did that video. So it's been two years, but I'm assuming that with inflation, they're over a thousand dollars now. That's why I said 1200 bucks. But, uh, Mary, to answer your question, uh, what are my thoughts, right? She asked, uh, what's my thoughts? I've played two. They were nice. Uh, the, uh, the one I really love has the maple stripe in the body, but it was really heavy. I tried that at the NAMM show one year and it was just really heavy, but man, the guitar was gorgeous. Um, Mary, I'm thinking if you're going to look at one of those guitars, the one I've seen are pretty cool. Just be aware. It's just be aware. You know what I mean? And and again, if you're looking at brands, off brands for, for guitars, I think you're not worrying about, you know, like reselling it later. I think it's about finding something unique that you can keep your uh, keep a hold of. And I think that'd be a good choice for you. Um, and I'd like to know what you think if you end up pulling the trigger on that. So very cool. Like I said, definitely a small company and you can buy it from a small dealer. So it's a great way to support the uh, the the community. Okay, BK says tone shaper or other solderless, par solderless parts. Uh, I'm not afraid of soldering, but I like these tone shapers. Uh, have interesting built-in and tr tricky switchable uh, treble bleed, etc. Have you uh, have a great weekend? Okay, so you're just letting me know about the tone shaper stuff. You know, I uh, there's another thing. Matt Hatter makes a lot of this uh, kind of uh, uh, solderless uh, components and stuff. The Matt Hatter stuff was fantastic. Everything I've tried by them has been uh, just uh, great. Uh, I think even Steve, I uses them or something like that, but anyways, it's great stuff. So BK, I'm going to imagine tone shaper. I will make sure I Google it and put a link on this part in the index later. So you guys can, when you're listening to the rebroadcast or listening to the first time broadcast, you can click that link as well. There you go. Uh, let's see. And well, hold on a second. Let's go back to a non super chat question. Uh, Hey, Ray. Ray says, what do you think of Solar guitars? Well, Ray, I have a video, so this is an easy question. I will link the video in the index. Obviously, I like it. By the way, it's right there. Uh, my only my only bummer right now about the Solar guitars is, uh, is that this guitar is one of my favorite guitars. Uh, definitely my top 10 favorite guitars. I just love it. I play it a lot. And uh, I love this one, and I love the color, but they don't make this color anymore. And so this was actually a discussion today. Two different people in two different conversations today both had mentioned that they love this solar guitar, but they don't make the color I have anymore, which is this blood orange. So the question raised, I love it. And, uh, you know, if you like blood orange, you're going to have to email Ola and, and see if he'll, uh, he'll make it again. Tell him, no, your gear said that you need blood orange, if you care about blood orange. Uh, okay. Uh, what else? Uh, what else we got? Hold on. Hold on. Here we go. Hold. we're going to go back to a super chat. Let me, so I do one for one, keep going. And we have uh rock daddy 44 says, do you recommend a special pen or marker to use for autograph on a guitar? And what is the best way to preserve an autograph on a guitar? Man, this is, I'm chuckling because this is a question and believe it or not, it seems like no one asks it and believe it or not, it, it's everybody's problem. Uh, yes, there's no special pen or marker, uh, 
to to do autographs, especially on a guitar. I'm assuming this is because of the guitar channel, uh, Rock Daddy 44. You're asking me about guitars. Signing guitars is a nightmare. The the pins, the 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 the, the marker never stays on the finish. You can clear coat it, but that is also a nightmare. You need to take it somewhere. Um, I usually recommend autographing something that can be removed off the guitar. So again, I'm sure you guys are going to have great comments down before, especially you guys that are more into the, um, that stuff, that autograph stuff is definitely the more the memorabilia kind of expertise than it is guitar expertise. I can tell you how to remove an autograph off a guitar. That's something I've done many, many times. If you want to know how to remove an autograph off a guitar, it's super easy. You get yourself a, uh, I have one right here, a wet dry eraser pen, right? This is a dry eraser marker. And you just trace the, uh, I'm not making this up, by the way, you just trace the Sharpie, or even if it's a metallic Sharpie, you just trace the signature on the guitar, whatever it's signed, and then just wipe it off with a cloth. It'll come right off. It's a pretty crazy little trick. Uh, something we've learned because when you get guitars sometimes on trade and they had signatures and we didn't even know who the signature is from, that's how we would remove it. So that's how you remove them. How do you keep on there? I'm going to have to reach out uh, to the community down below and hopefully they'll put some cool answers for you, Rock Daddy. The only thing I will tell you, though, is I really do like the idea. Like if I got that Les Paul signed right now, I would have them sign it on either the pick card in the front or the back plate. And the reason is, is because then I would order a replacement plate and I would keep the replacement plate on the guitar and... Uh, and then that way I can, uh, you know, always have the back plate, put it back on if I want. If you're asking about displaying it, well, that doesn't matter because you, if you're not, if you're displaying, you're not playing it. I don't know why the signature would come off. Uh, and then Mike Mooney just wants me to have a beer or a coffee on him. Thank you, Mike Mooney. And, uh, you know, luckily for me, we have coffee beer here in the Valley uh, and it's really good. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it literally tastes like coffee flavored beer and it sounds disgusting and it's, if you're in the mood for it, it's pretty cool. <laughs> it's a weird thing. I, I say that. Um, I should mention. I should mention that uh, when uh, Luis and Alvaro were here, uh, uh, I, Luis and I had one, and he thought it, he looked pretty disgusted with it. Uh, I felt bad recommending. It. I told him not to get one. I said I'm going to get this, and he goes, "Oh, is it good?" And I'm like, "I don't know. They just make it local here. It's kind of a weird thing here at the brewery." And um, he got one, and it didn't seem to like it, but he got through it. So. I don't know. Just thought I'd share that, but thank you. So maybe I'll get a coffee beer. Uh, so uh, Wolverine just wants you to know Gibson has him giddy uh, tip jar, pass it around. He just wants me to pass around that. He's excited. I think a lot of us are excited about uh, Gibson improving the quality of the guitars, lowering prices on average, but more so, what I think this means, and I don't want to kind of beat this Gibson subject to death on this episode, but here's the deal, man. It's to me, the big win is whenever, you know, it's kind of like, I, I don't have a great analogy, but I want to share it. Uh, it's like, it's like the new Star Wars movies, right? All the Star Wars fans. I'm not a big Star Wars fan. I like Star Wars like everybody else, but I'm not like a huge Star Wars fan. And, uh, you know, when they were making Star Wars movies, the fans didn't want, the fans got upset. And now they said, okay, we'll fix it. The nothing makes you feel better as a, as a, as a fan, as knowing that your voice has some kind of weight or acknowledgement. And I think Gibson doing what it's doing is great for us community, us guitar geeks out there, because that's what we want to hear. We want to hear that a guitar company cares what guitar players think, right? That just feels good. So there you go. <laughs> so, so you guys are making really, really funny comments. 
So there you go. On that side note, I'm excited about Gibson. There you. Yeah. No. No. Gibson, yes. Beer flavored coffee, not so much. Hey, Rex Navarro, that's a great comment. He said, "When Gibson is strong, the guitar market is strong." You know, I, I think I think there's some some validity in that statement. I think uh, you know we all know the two big players are Gibson and Fender, and I think uh, everything under falls underneath those two umbrella that umbrella of companies, those two, and this. And if they're doing well, I can see what you're saying. It's a healthy market. It definitely great for for uh, consumer confidence. You know what I mean? Um, it it I'll tell you I'll tell you this. What's nice is if you have a Gibson like me. Um, I think it's going to, it makes you feel better about your purchasing decision. It makes me feel like this Gibson is going to hold value. My other SG, my other Les Paul is going to hold value. And that's exciting, right? That's cool. Um, so, and if you don't have a Gibson, well, this day looks like they've improved things in lower prices. So again, win, win, win. I like it. Okay. Uh, Jeffrey wants to know what's a good upgrade suggestion for a Sterling Valentine neck humbucker pickup. Uh, so obviously I reviewed that guitar and I remember liking the humbucker pickup in that guitar. So the problem is, is when you're saying a, a good suggestion for an upgrade, uh, I'd have to know, and I'm Jeffrey, I hate to do this to you because I know you kind of super chatted this and stuff, but I, I don't want to do you any dis disservice. The problem is, is in that pickup, we'd have to know, is it too bright? Is it too warm? Is it too weak? Is it too strong? And then what would be the upgrade from there? Cause I don't look at upgrade as upgrade is like, don't upgrade it just because it's, uh, you know, your Sterling is an import guitar and has import pickups in it. The, the thing I, I try not to say this as much as public, cause I don't really need pickup companies like death threatening me with emails, but I really love, I buy high end pickups. I like pickups, but realistically you gotta understand low end pickups now are so good. It's, it's, it's eventually going to really start hurting the aftermarket guys because it's getting to the point now where every time I buy or see or try an inexpensive import instrument, the pickups in them are not the weak point anymore, which is funny because just a, just a decade ago, it was. You'd buy an inexpensive guitar, and the first thing you do is upgrade the pickups. We're so used to hearing that. Oh, it's a good guitar. You buy it and upgrade the pickups. The last, the last well, I don't want to say every guitar, but it's getting to the point where every import guitar I'm picking up, uh, majority, say 70%. 70% of the import guitars I'm picking up that are affordable, pickups are great. That's Slick Telly. You know what? I like those pickups. Like I said, I would put those pickups in another guitar. So I like the pickups that were in your Sterling. I'd like to know what you didn't like about them. And maybe I could suggest, uh, you know, uh, some, some, some change in the voicing, but I don't think upgrade is the right term for you. So maybe you're, maybe, maybe you're okay with what you got. Um, Griselda. All right. Griselda. I hope I'm saying it right. Looking to upgrade the pickups in my old Fender jazz bass as a first time project. Are there any low hum single coil pickups you would recommend? I'm a huge Bartolini fan. Uh, so I put Bartolini's in every bass. I want to, I want to make sure that I'm not saying yes. Okay. So only out of all my bases, only my Warwick, I believe doesn't have Bartolini's. I have the MEC system in there. And this was a custom base made for me by Warwick. So I already knew the pickups and voicing and we went through them. But every other base, I put Bartolini's in there. Uh, I love Bartolini's. Uh, so I would hi highly recommend them. What's great about Bartolini's is if you see them and they always have, they, they look like active pickups, they're not. 
Bartolini's are passive pickups and they have a Bartolini active system that you can install in your base, but it's an easy upgrade if you want to uh, uh, put the Bartolini's in your jazz base. I, I love them for that reason. Um, and uh, they'll be noiseless and great. And I, I recommend them. You can get in Bartolini's, you can get both versions. You can get the hum stacked or the singles. Um, so go with the hum stacked and you'll be great. Love, love them. In fact, uh, uh, Grisilda, there's a video. It's, uh, the, it's, I'm just going to say the next video, the very next video that comes out on this channel, uh, has a base and it has a Bartolini pickup. So you can kind of give a listen. It has a, a J base pickup in it. Uh, Robert says, after watching your videos for two years, I purchased rebuilt and leveled and crowned an 09 strat and it purrs like new Phil. I, I have a sharp ax. Thanks to you. Thanks, man. That's, that's awesome. Cause like I said, it's great. Um, because it, it's, I know we say it like, oh, you save money because you don't have to take it to a tech and have it done. But dude, there's just something about when you work on your instruments that give, makes you really connect to it. And you notice that. You notice a lot of rock stars are, have stories like that. Like Eddie Van Halen, they were always tinkering on their guitars and stuff. You know, And Eddie's the funniest because he admits like for a while he didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> which is fine you know i think that's everybody everybody starts the guitar not knowing so that's great i'm glad it worked out and i'm i'm glad you you uh you were successful at making the guitar turn out great as well let's get some non uh non-pin questions jj says have you tried the carbon legacy amp um i have the carbon legacy pedal here carbon sent it to me i have not reviewed the pedal yet uh, but, uh, playing that pedal sure made me want to get the amp, but the price of God, I have the link. Uh, you're probably in case you're, we're not talking the same language. You could be talking about the carbon legacy. The first one I played one. I thought I played the tone Kings at his house. Thought I did. If not, I've only played the legacy three and I like the legacy three, but they don't make them anymore and use, they're getting a little pricey, but they're still cool. Uh, <laughs> sorry, it's spinning a little fast. There's 850 of us. Oh, I love this, Diego. I love a good question that it's going to be crazy. It says, hey, Philip, why do you think some people, you know, some people <laughs> still use four string basses? I feel like five strings should be the norm, not only for metal. So, uh, Diego, let me tell you uh, why I play four string basses. I only own, I don't own a five string bass anymore. And what's interesting about that is it's uh, it's I used to only play five string basses. So when I was playing bass all the time, I had a four string and then I went to five and then I wanted a six string. And long story short, I got a seven string bass. I played a Conklin seven string bass for, for years, not the court one, but the, the real Conklin thing. It was, it was a monster. And, uh, what happened was my bass teacher at the time, he was playing five string. And what he did is he had two five string bases, identical bases. And one was tuned with the low B right? So it was B to G and the other one was tuned E to C. So in other words, <coughs> he, he put the high string on one bass and his logic was there's very rarely a song that you're going to need the range, you know, of both those instruments. So he can have either one because he did a lot of slapping and popping stuff. And so I played five strings for years and I really liked them. And, um, I don't know what happened, but over time I just found myself always grabbing the four string. If I didn't need a five string, I always grabbed the four string. And so finally I decided one day, you know, five strings, they're just, they have a cool sound. Having that lower range is nice, but comfort over, 
over that. So I picked comfort. So the question is, why do you think some people still use four string bases? It's comfort. It's just comfort. It's just the feel of the neck. It's comfortable to me and not having the low B string. I use shorter scale bases. I use 32 inch scale, medium scale bases, which get a little dicey with a fifth string for sure. That low B gets a little rattly in that shorter scale like that. So that's my reason. I don't know if that's everyone's reason. That's my reason. Um, I also know a lot of people are intimidated by the fifth string, which is weird because I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, okay. What else? Man, there's a lot of bass players today. Look at all these bass questions. All the guitar players are going to leave in a minute. It says, uh, uh, the Eagle, the Eagle woman too says Ashbury bass. Uh, I love the Ashbury bass. If you guys don't know what the Ashbury bass is, it's a little bass and it's got like a little teardrop looking body, literally this big, like the size of my hands, like a teardrop. And it uses silicone rubber. Am I silicone? Is it silicon or silicone? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Silicon rubber, silicone rubber strings. Uh, and they're cool. You know what? I used to like the Ashbury bass, but, uh, uh, if you have one, uh, it's cool, but, uh, I like, if you're looking to get one, check out some of the, the cool ho little hollow body bases that they make now. Uh, a ton of them, a ton of companies make them just Google it. And it comes up. You know what? I think, uh, Harley Benton has one and, uh, it's, they're, they're freaking awesome. They sound great. And they actually sound and play a little better than the Ashbury, but Okay. Okay. Uh, hold on a second. There's so many questions. Okay. This one is... Yeah. I'm sorry. You guys are, j it's jampling back and forth with questions. Oh, uh, Dale Palmer says, do you ever play ukulele? I just bought my first one. I, I always play ukulele. Um, I, uh, I have a six string one, uh, Gretsch, uh, ukulele. And, um, I use it whenever I travel. I like it a lot. I like uh, that instrument a lot. I think it's fun. Um, mostly because it's fun. My kids like it. I like to make up little funny songs, you know, all a fake Adam Sandler kind of vibe. And uh, it's great to do. Just It's great. I, I think every guitar player, I think I have two videos now on the channel that's like how why every guitar player should have a ukulele. Uh, if you don't have one, if you're, a, if you're, if that's your personality, man, if you're, a, if you're funny, Right, ukuleles are kind of crack up. You play them; they sound great. Uh, they sound great. They 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 play really fun. Um, you can get a really good one for for not a lot of dough. You know what I mean? Hundred bucks gets you a really really nice one, and you can go up from there and get a nice one. The six string one I have, I think, is like one fifty and with a gig bag, and it's a solid uh, solid mahogany top. I think. So I don't know. I like them, Dale. That's my, that's my question. Or that's my answer to your question. I like them. And I, I think everybody should have one. I'll put it in the index. I'll put a link to the, one of the videos I did. Uh, next question is from Dan. Dan says any info on Raven guitars. It just says Raven on the headstock. It's made in career. Also, also buzz all up the low, <laughs> low E only. I got you. So it's action is one millimeter at the third fret, two millimeters at the 12th fret. Yeah, that's really bad. It's buzzing. Um, 
I never Raven. I know was an amp line the Guitar Center owned. I don't know. Remember them making the guitars out of them? I could Google it, but I got a feeling we'll probably get just randomness stuff. Um, obviously, it doesn't sound very exciting that it's buzzing up and down the low E string uh, only. Um, some of the things you might consider when you're looking at that uh, the low E string because the action's high, a millimeter and then two millimeters off the twelfth fret. You're you shouldn't be having any buzzing. So Dan, first thing, make sure the pickups aren't pulling down i can't imagine that they're pulling down too much because that string's so high i can't imagine your pickups like close enough to it because it'd be sticking almost where the fretboard is the other thing you can do the other trick i like to do is uh dan first let's just the first thing you do when you're when you're dealing with this issue is just diagnose the issue don't worry about fixing it just find the problem so the first thing i always recommend you do is raise the action on the string using either you know using the saddle you know loosen string raise the action and raise it up and t and then t tight tune it up until there's no buzz and if that means you're three millimeters uh, you know from the 12th fret um that's fine whatever it takes just find the spot where it doesn't buzz anymore and here's what's great if you keep raising it and it's super high and it's still buzzing you know you know your problem is somewhere else it's not going to be just the action so you might having buzz you might be having sympathetic buzz coming off the the nut or the truss rod inside the neck be rattling or something else is going on so that's a great way to kind of diagnose the problem first get rid of the buzz by raising the action that tells you first that it can go away and then and then if it does if the, if the buzz does go away from the high action then what you do is incrementally lower it right using a ruler tight tune it up and play and then when it gets to the point where the buzz comes back then you know what that'll help you kind of detect where the buzz started because you'll see what what brought the buzz back in line uh ocular pro says thoughts on dimarzio air classic humbuckers um air classics i've never tried the air classics sorry uh i like dimarzio though i use dimarzio a lot uh but i've never tried the air classic um is that a variation of the air nortons i've tried air nortons see the thing with dimarzio is for me <laughs> is i see i tend there seems to be a gap in the dimarzio lineup for me when De, when i started first playing dimarzio there was like the fred the air norton right the tone zone and the x2n and that's the pickups i all either have or i tried at that time and then for years i didn't do dimarzio i went to seymour duncan right and then i came back to dimarzio after years of playing duncan you know like hey let's try something new go dimarzio and now i'm used to all the new crazy dimarzios like what i have in this uh music man right all these petrucci kind of pickups so there's just a an area where i didn't i wasn't familiar and, and i so i'm not familiar with the air classic uh name uh so i'd have to look it up but i wouldn't help you i wouldn't know that's my thoughts i don't know anything about it uh kenneth says hey phil mcknight that's me uh any thoughts on affordable tube amps for home use with a Les Paul or the PRS SE 245. Yeah, affordable tube amps. Uh, and you're saying for home, I'm, gonna, I'm a broken record, man. I love the Fender uh, X2. I like that amp. It's a great amp. It's very affordable. Very. Uh, you know, it's sub $400 range. Uh, it's, well, 400 bucks new for the combo. 300 bucks for a head. It's got a Fender warranty. It's made in Mexico, which is really cool because, you know, it's not like a, I don't know made in vietnam kind of amp that you don't know what's going on those get a little dicey um so uh better manufacturer is what i'm basically getting at you know right tried and true because they make the high-end fender amps in mexico too so you know that they're making really good stuff 
that's one I would suggest. Blackstar, I've had good luck with them. Some people are, have a hit or miss with them. Another great affordable tube amp that I think is a great uh, kind of hidden gem is the uh, Jet City amps. Really cool stuff. Again, we're missing the variable here. You're saying Les Paul and 245, but you're not saying what kind of music. I'm just assuming that it's going to be most, you know, most music, rock, metal, blues. Those amps are there. Those are really great too. Of course, there's like Eggnators that are affordable. I mean, there's tons of affordable good amps, two amps that are now available, but those are some of my favorites. I would check those out. And then Brian Stewart says, uh, off your advice last week, I picked up the Bass Breaker 07, also red, white, are my college college cover colors so uh so yeah red and white are his college colors all right um and uh uh so hold on a second let me take a drink uh so what brian so brian let us know what you end up thinking about the 07 um so that we know if the recommendation was was good sent you down the right way and um i'm just gonna say because he's mentioning it uh the red white is his college colors is because if you guys remember i had a red and white dan electro guitar and now i have a blue one um i ended up giving that to brian he's one of the patrons um and he if you guys recall from the stories he's the one that gave me that cool mick Mars statue and a, and a pick uh from the 1989 tour and an air clapping pick just stuff he sent me over the last you know year or so uh, and, uh, you know, he's always on the live show like you guys. I thank you guys so much for that. And he's always just, he's always just, you know, a big support of the channel. And I thought, Hey, you know what? So, uh, I, I just said, Hey, you can have the Dan Electro in red cause I got this new blue one. So just sharing the love. Uh, Jesse lies says happy Friday. Uh, but Jesse lies, but he's got, but he has the girl, right? Cause it's, he always said Jesse's girl. Anyways, Jesse lies. Happy Friday, Phil. Uh, I have to tune down my ovation every time I pick it up. What would cause it to float to sharp notes as opposed to flats? So you have to tune down. Right. Right. So here's what I'm guessing. And again, I'm guessing from, from the, the snippet you just sent. What you're saying is your acoustic guitar, your ovation is sitting or hanging or somewhere. And when you pick it up, it's now sharp, right? Because you're, you're tuning it down. That's what I'm getting from that. If that's what's happening, what generally will happen is, is that uh, the neck, it, it's straightening out, right? That's what happens when, because I it happens a lot on SGs, believe it or not. Um, and it happens on all kinds of guitars, but SGs are the ones that always kind of, you know, when I hear that problem, I go, oh, is, is an SG? Because it happens a lot. And I think it's because the body's so thin, the neck's kind of thin. And what happens is when the guitar like kind of dries out, man, it like, it like pitches back and that pitch, you know, as it straightens out or arcs back, it stretches the string and makes it go sharp. And it doesn't take a lot. Think about your tuner. Think about how much movement it took just to make that just a, a little sharp. So you can imagine, we're not talking about a lot. So your ovation could be expanding. You know what I mean? Um, and there's a ton of things that can cause that, you know, heat could cause that dryness definitely causes that. Even though you think of drying is shrinking, it just works a different way. It's not likely that, well, moisture would probably make it expand too. Either way, it's some kind of movement. So um, my question to you, Jesse, is uh, if it's something that's you know problematic for you, I'm sure you just want to know what's going on. Uh, I would take some notes, take a post-it note, stick it by the guitar and make some notes for yourself. So in other words, uh, take note, like a journal, like pick up the guitar. And if tomorrow you pick it up and the guitar is not sharp and it's normal, Write down the weather, you know, hey, 70 degrees outside, normal. A couple weeks from now or a couple days from now, you pick it up and it's sharp. Note the weather again. Is the weather drier, hotter, colder, 
you know, uh, wetter, you know, uh, see if there, that's the, that's the factor that's happening. It'll just let you know what's going on. But so, you know, it's not uncommon. I've seen it so many times. It's, it's not a weird thing to say. Yeah, Tony B says my guitars get go sharp when it gets cold. Yes, uh, you know I have you know a guitar goes because my guitar that goes sharp sharp all the time is my Paul Reed Smith Mira. My the that thing will literally go it'll, just when it dries out, it just gets it gets go sharp, and the action gets too low because I keep the action on that low, and when it straightens out a little bit, then the action you can I can pick it up. It's a little sharp, and the strings are kind of rattling off the. I have to loosen the truss rod. And that why, if you ever notice on that guitar, I never have the truss rod cover on the neck. And I've had a couple of people over the years, you know, when I do videos, like, where's your truss rod cover? And I'm like, yeah, it's just because I'm so used to, like, if it, you know, if there's a dramatic weather change or if something happens, I'm going to have to tweak the truss rod for a second. And what's interesting is I find that's not a model of guitar. That's just the wood and the, the guitar because I have another mirror and it never does that. It, I just happen to love the way the, the one of the mirrors, I just happen to love the way it plays and sounds. And it happens to be the one that freaking drives me crazy. <laughs> so, and I don't feel too bad because I once saw an our, our interview with John Mayer, who's saying like his main guitar, the black, you know, before PRS, of course, the Fender, the beat up black guitar that he had. He said the neck on that was twisted. And he was saying, you know, but he loved it. I'm like, I can relate to that. I have a couple guitars I love, but yeah, they have weird problems, but they're the ones I love. So yeah, somebody else saying that goes sharp when their humidity goes up. I would imagine that would be a big factor. Again, everybody lives in different climates, different situations, um, because because it's tough. Because it's it's tough to know if it's the humidity or not. That's why you want to take some notes. Because here's the problem: if it rains outside, let me give you an example of where I live in Arizona. If it rains outside, especially where I live, very dry, right? Super dry here in the desert. If it starts raining, of course, of course, of course. Of course the uh, the humidity is going to skyrocket. However, because where I live, a lot of times, especially in the summer, the humidity comes. It's raining outside. But yeah, it's 110 degrees. It drops to like 100. It's still hot. So the AC in my house actually runs harder. It runs really hard. And that AC is drying out the air. It's working its butt off. And so sometimes what can appear to be a moisture situation in my house can actually be a, a dry situation and vice versa. And I'm not saying that's the case, um, but... Just, just saying, just take, take, take notes. Okay. Uh, what else do we got? How are we doing on time? We're doing great on time. And I thought, oh, you know what? Let's make a quick announcement. Uh, something really important because I didn't do a shout out for Matt blades, who is one of the, uh, like Mike, Michael shy. He's one of the writers for the website, uh, is wrote some more articles. I just want to show you real quick. If you guys haven't visited the know your gear website, I'll put a link when I do the index. Here it is. Uh, he's doing the gear trends and he did source audio and he did this really in-depth, as you can see, uh, article. It's amazing. And there's also the Game Changer audio. Um, and this is a nice little back catalog, uh, Boutique Pedals, uh, Builders Part 1 and 2. And uh, I just want to let you know we have this information there. It is uh, free to you guys, right? It's a free website. Just go there if you guys are bored and need some reading material you can always pull up your phone or tablet or whatever and just go ahead and quit read one of these quick articles these guys work really hard and they write really great stuff and uh i just want to share with you guys i thought it'd be a good time to do that so uh what else do we got for questions
Uh, you know what? Joshua's got a question. And it's a good one. It says, is it bad uh, to keep a, a Les Paul in a case? Um, so here's why I, 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 that question is a weird question. I, I, I'm going to share a weird story with you. I had a friend who had a Gibson ES335 that he kept in a case. Uh, and he kept it in the case for like a decade. Like he didn't open the case. And when he did, the binding had all kind of fell off because I guess there's an uh, an acid that's in the in the materials or in the finish. And I guess it was kept in the case and the acid ate at the binding. Um, I say that just because that was such a weird thing to happen. And I saw it happen, right? I know him and I know he had the original owner of the guitar. And so it's just something to think about. That's something that could happen. But other than that weird anomaly, I don't see what the downfall of keeping the case is. Um, I case a lot of my guitars. I put them in the gig bags and I have a couple cases, but mostly I put them in the gig bags and cases and I keep them in like rotational play these ones. And I put the other ones away and I pull the out, play these ones. Uh, just something to do. You know what I mean? Where I live, it's again, not only is it hot, it's really dusty. <laughs> There's a lot of dust here. It's a desert, right? We have haboobs. Look at that. You could Google that. Hopefully it comes out something not horrible, but, uh, basically it's a big wall of dirt. Have you ever been in Arizona? Some of you guys have visited are going to be talking about this now. I know it. If, if you ever hear somebody to me, somebody like me talk about the walls of dirt that live in, that are in Arizona, little giant wall of dirt. It's like right out of the movie, the mummy. So seriously, it's like a, just this, you're looking at it out, out in the horizon. It's just this giant, massive wall looks like a tsunami but it's all brown and it's dirt and uh <laughs> and uh that uh it's crazy and uh it really coats the whole place in dirt so yeah and the first time you're hearing it happens it tends to freak people out <laughs> so you know the rest of us we all kind of know it just goes the wall dirt just goes by and it's over but uh, the first time you see it i think it really kind of uh yeah desert winds are brutal somebody's saying yeah it's it's uh it's it's crazy james says oh this follow-up james our uh, james says case horizontal or vertical i run them horizontal no what am i talking about vertical right vertical up and down I, I don't run i don't stack them like this i stack them vertically and uh there's a reason why um because uh i don't like stacking cases this way and the main reason is, is because that's a that's scary to me because a lot of damage that happens to guitars in cases happens when they're like people will set their case on the on the ground, and I I see you've seen this happen one time. It's it's all it took one time for me. One time I saw a guy put his guitar. It was in the store. He it was his guitar. He brought it in. He put the case flat. I don't know why he didn't put it horizontal. He put it flat on the ground and his kid his little taller kid jumped on the case and the case pushed down and the headstock snapped because the case isn't designed really to protect guitars from those two sides it's the impact points are from the sides you know this way so i understand what you're saying you can run it horizontal like on its side like this or flat you didn't say flat but i'm getting that and then vertical i like vertical that uh, takes up less space seems pretty safe i like them like that uh, but if you guys have different, you know, ideas, please list them in the comments down below. Curious. I don't know if there's a right way to do any of this stuff. I can just tell you how I do it. Uh, Bam Mosey says my guitars are kept encased and in vertical and vertically stored. See, good to go. Can't go with that. I tend to put more of them away if we have a lot of visitors, like family comes to town. I might take some of the ones that stress me out a little bit out of the equation. 
So it's tough. Uh, I had a thing. You, you have a thing with the kids that come over and uh, you don't have a guitar that they can play with. And they're like, this is fun. I'm like, yeah. And they go, now can I play that one? <laughs> and you're like, um, that one's really heavy. <laughs> you don't know. It's, it's tough. Um, oh, uh, who's Haas? Haas wants to know, what do I think of the 2019 Les Paul's what do I think of 2019 Les Paul's not having removable pick cards? Uh, I got to look now, man. That's confusing me right off the bat. What do you mean they're not removable? You mean that there are like the old way. Yeah, there's a screw. Hold on. I got to look. <laughs> it's one of those things like, how did I miss that? I see what you're saying. So yeah, they had that magnet thing for a minute. That was, um, you know, I don't know. You can't, you know, if that's something you thought was cool, did you think the magnet thing was cool? Um, my different strokes for different folks, right? Um, you know, I like the pick guards on the Les Pauls. That's my thing. My other Les Paul, the one you guys see in the video is the flame top one. I put the pick guard on. It didn't come with a pick guard. It didn't even, not, not only did it have one, it didn't come with one. You know, sometimes they put it in the case and you install it yourself. This one, that didn't even have it. I just bought one, installed it, and put it on. So I think in my case, I've never had a compulsion to go, wow, I wish I could take it off and then put it back on. I just like having it on aesthetically. That's what it, it's aesthetics. Like I, it's for me, I, for some reason, I think of a Les Paul as having the pick guard. So I just, you know, I like the pick guard. Some players like it without the pick guard. Um, I think the magnet thing was a cool idea, but I don't know if anybody valued it. Cause again, I think everybody kind of falls into the, one of the two camps, right? You're either no pick guard, Les Paul person or a pick guard, Les Paul person. I don't, I didn't know. I don't think there's enough players out there. It was like, yeah, I just want the, the option to do it back and forth. Um, see, Chris says the quick attach pick cards are pretty lame. See a perfect example. So you have one person loves it. One person doesn't like it. Uh, it again, it's a value proposition. If it doesn't really, if it doesn't really balance out in the, you know, if it doesn't make the customer happy and add value. Then why add cost? So, All right. Uh, okay. What else do we got? We got. Yeah. Oh, Mike's saying he always takes the pick guards off. Interesting. Yeah. See, like I said, I always, and I always put them on. That's why I said it's different. Okay. Uh, what else do we got? Anything else? I thought I had another subject to cover. Um, I do. I do. I put a link in the video. This is another quick little thing. This is a quick shout out. Um, let me grab the card. So I got this cool card in the mail and some of you guys have sent me stuff and I thought I'd start talking about it on the live show. Uh, when you guys send stuff to me, I think it's really cool. This came from Charlie Fox and, uh, what he sent me besides a little handwritten card, which is always cool to get a handwritten card. It's like a really special thing now. Right. Cause, uh, he, he sent this thing that he makes, he 3d prints these and I want to show it to you. Uh, it's a, it looks like this and it's a stand, uh, for your boss pedal. And the idea is that you can see them behind me. Look at that. So you can stand your boss pedals up. Now, if you're asking yourself, why do you want to do that? Uh, well, I think the idea is if you're like, I collect boss pedals, I put them on a shelf. I think the idea is if players like me or collectors like me, you know, want to display their collection, it's no different than if you collect anything else that you buy stands for. Uh, I put a link, he sells them on reverb. Um, 
I thought for those of you that would be interested, I thought it'd be a cool thing to do. What's really strange about this thing, and I, I thought that's why I want to share with you guys, is uh, I'm sure a lot of you looking at this going to have different reactions. But, but here's what's funny. I showed this to about seven of my 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 buddies that are that are guitar players, and I got literally. 50 50 response uh, of to the excitement of this either it was either like i don't understand it or i thought they thought it was the greatest thing ever so i thought oh we should really share it then because i'm sure that's what experience you guys are going to have you're either going to be like i don't understand the concept who cares if i stand my boss pedal up or yes finally i can display my boss pedals the way i want so i thought i would share with you he sent a couple to me for to check out i thought that was really nice of him and uh i give him a shout out he wasn't looking for the shout out he was just saying thank you for the con for the for the uh, content and stuff and i thought we could do them a solid and put a link in there. And if you guys are ever in the market for something like that, you know where to get them. Uh, let's see. Um, we have somebody, I think somebody's telling me we have super chat. Let me make sure I don't lose that. Yep. Okay. Here we go. Uh, Alan uh, just did a super chat for no reason. Thank you, Alan. I appreciate that. That was nice for the chip, tar, chip, tar, chip jar. It's a chip jar now, not a tip jar. So, when you talk for an hour straight as fast as I do, sometimes, man, there's just no way to keep keep hydrated. James Shackelford wants to know, he says, I am a guitar player that just got a Fender bass. Uh, wanted to know what Fender bass amp is the Blues Junior of bass amps. Okay, so I get the analogy. Like, what's the good go-to affordable thing? I think the Fender Rumble stuff, man. You can't go wrong with that stuff. The Rumble 40? uh is a great amp i like the 25 as well but uh if given the two choices the rumble 40 i think is a better choice uh, if i'm not mistaken the rumble 25 is 100 bucks rumble 40 is like 200 bucks james i mean that's tough to beat um i'm thinking real quick processing my head i'm gonna go with that answer it has nothing to do with the their fenders and you said blues jr is a fender literally that's the amp i'm gonna push to uh it's at every single guitar center um it's such a good amp at such a value point. You can see almost now wherever you go where there's bass amps, it's almost like there's only a couple bass amps and then the Fender Rumbles. Fender Rumbles really dominate the market. It's really a lot of product for the price, and it's really tough for a smaller bass companies to compete with what Fender did. It was a good move. So good, good stuff. Alan says, what would you choose based on your experience? A new PRSC 24, which is a bolt-on custom 24, versus an old one uh the ones with the full carved top so this is an easy and great question for me to answer because i like the new ones because i like how they sound thinner and more like a strat a lot of players who have the old original uh bolt-on custom 24s uh ce 24s really do not like the new ones they don't think they're as good as quality as the new uh, as the old ones and i agree they're not like the old ones they're thinner they sound more trebly but i like strat so to me my ce 24 semi hollow is like a super strat right it's like that double humbucker super strat but in a custom 24 kind of vibe in a neck um it, to me the c24 the old ones are definitely for someone who wants like the the actual paul reed smith kind of sound which is really a really fat warm fender or a really thin gibson depending on how you look at that uh so that's your so the, my answer is i prefer the c24 i just like to let, uh, let you know majority of players i talk to do not prefer the new c's to the old ones they like the old ones better but I ended up liking the new one more. So it worked out for me because 
you can get the new ones easier. Uh, Jesse Lies says, Happy Friday, Phil. It is Happy Friday. I have to tune down. Oh, I already did this one. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Raymond wants to know one good Fender T or two slick uh, T and S. So I get, okay. So in other words, do I get do, the question is, do you buy one good Fender Telecaster or do you buy two slick that you can't say Telecaster and Strat? Right. I get you the T style or S style. Um, so I'm going to do the math on this, right? The math's good. You figure you got about two, two, two and a half, two and a half. So 500 bucks for the two slick guitars. Or about $500, $600 for a Fender T. Fender T, man. I really like that slick guitar. I, I do. I, I I think it's a really cool guitar. I think for 200 bucks for that short money, it, it's great. A lot of you guys have been mentioning Harley Benton. Man, I am working. <laughs> I am working to get the Harley Bentons. I, I am working. I have talked to Tallman. Uh, the last I talked to them, they said they were going to ship them out. They haven't shipped them. They sent me all the information to see. I'm seeing them and watching them in a cart now for about a week and a half. They are coming. So I have uh, I have a bunch of Harley Benton reviews. I have it all ready. I have everything ready to go. I just, in fact, it's, uh, so I'm just waiting for the guitars. Um, and I'm excited because I want to try them and check them out. Um, so yeah, Raymond, and the reason I say that about the picking the Fender over the two slicks is, um, I think the slick guitars, I think they're good. And if you look at the comments, and what's great, Raymond, is is look at the video I did, the review, and then look at the comments down below that review. And I read a lot of those comments because I really take to, I really want to know what you guys think, not only about what I did and what I say, but I want you, I want to know what you think about the gear. I'm curious. How I want to see how close I got it right. When I review a product, to me, a red flag is if I say it's great and I look in the comments and 75% of you said, no, you tried it. It was horrible. I try to go, well, why am I so out of tune with the, with the market then? And then sometimes I'm in tune. In that case, that guitar performed exactly like I predicted all inexpensive guitars do. Here's what I think is funny about all inexpensive guitars. No matter how much somebody proclaims on a YouTube channel, how amazing a cheap guitar is. What I find is it almost runs 50, 50 on the, on the comments 50 percent of people say they had a bad experience 50 percent of 50 percent of the people say they have a good experience i think that's normal i think if you buy a 200 import guitar i think you got a 50 50 chance to get a great one or a crappy one it's probably better than that it's probably 70 percent in your favor to get a good one but you're taking a chance to get a bad one so just be aware of that so that being said, before I would buy two inexpensive slicks, I think I would go with one solid Fender. In the long term, you'll have better resale value. You have one good guitar. It's uh, you can, and if you're if you're it's your only guitar, you can add to your collection that way. Just something to think about. So, although again, I love hearing a counter argument. If somebody has a counter argument to say, "Hey, two slicks over the Fender," put that in the comments down below. I'd love to. I'll read why. Like I said, it's interesting. It's interesting because uh, I love it when people get mad at me for something I say, and they go, "Oh, Phil, you're totally wrong." And I go, "Yeah, that's great. It's totally allowed. We're all wrong <laughs> and right. It's just an opinion. It's it's just because this is what we love to talk about. That's what's great. None of the stuff we talk about really really matters, and that's what makes this fun." We don't have to talk about this, the world problems. We're just talking about guitars. Uh, Kenneth says, Phil McKnight, what are your thoughts on Rocksmith, which is a learning aid that uses real guitar to play a game similar to Rock Band and Guitar Hero? So, Kenneth, uh, by the way, thank you so much for the mega super chat. That was like 15 bucks. That was cool, man. I appreciate that. Um, 
the uh, on the side note, Kenneth, uh, what I'll tell you is this. Here's what I can tell you. I, w- I want to tell you what my buddy Joe, for those of you guys who remember Joe, he w- he's come on the channel a couple times. He's a good friend of mine, amazing player, and a really good teacher on top of that. And uh, I asked him one time about Rocksmith because he had a lot of students, and he had students that had ironically uh, played Rocksmith. And he told me this interesting thing. He said, Rocksmith is amazing because all the guys that come to him for lessons that play Rocksmith, they can play all these songs way above their skill level. And what he meant by that was like, they don't know any scales, theory modes. They don't know where they are on the fretboard. They're really lost, but man, they can play these songs. And he goes, it's really impressive that they're able to do that. And he said, and what he noticed also was almost every single player that came to him for lessons that had been playing on Rocksmith, he said they were fantastic students because they got through the hardest part, which is they, they're now having joy, right? As a guitar teacher, the hardest thing is that when you have a student, it's just not enjoying this, right? You want this to be joy. And they found the joy of guitar, of playing music. And now from that joy, they got the passion. And the passion was, okay, look, I could play the song, but can you explain to me why these three chords are happening together and why I have to play this pattern with these chords. And he said it was great. So to answer your question, Kenneth, I think Rocksmith was great. Unfortunately for the industry, though, I think it was not what the industry hoped it would be. The industry really did not understand Rock Band and Guitar Hero. Everybody remembers, uh, especially this. I forget which one was first. Was it Guitar Hero first, right? Whoever it was, what didn't didn't Gibson sue one of them? Like that's the hilarious part of this, right? They asked Gibson to like license, and Gibson not only wouldn't let them, but they like sued them. Even Fender fought it for a while. Everybody fought Guitar Hero and Rock Band. Everybody in this industry. What I remember about this the most was when uh, when we had the Lesson Academy, and it was really, really, you know, really crazy because it was the the, uh, the Guitar Hero and Rock Band was also happening. If you guys remember, during the boom before the recession, so man, it was just like it was you know businesses. We were just killing it with 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 uh, students and everything happening, and it was all these kids coming from Rock Band and Guitar Hero. They were just filling up the lessons because they were just pushing those controllers and they just want to play guitar. And the industry finally joined. That's when everybody like all of a sudden they got you know all of a sudden the industry is like making controllers every brand of controller a lot of you right some of you guys it's been so long now i'm sure some of you guys in your your 20s and early 30s that's probably how you started guitar probably right we're probably seeing that come to fruition you probably started on guitar hero and now you play guitar chime in if you're watching right now and that's you if i'm talking about you if you started on guitar hero and and, and a rock band and now you're a guitar player let us know did that happen for you because uh, it seemed like it did and uh, so what happened was when Rocksmith was the evolution of that. Let's 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 actually make a video game that's really playing guitar and not just faking it. And the problem is, is the guitar industry doesn't understand the video game industry because I don't understand the video game industry industry. And uh, it didn't do the numbers. It didn't do what Rock Band and Guitar Hero did. Although I think it's a much much better product for. So. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Jordan's saying Gibson sued Guitar Hero because uh, they roped off the LP from the controller. Right. I, I'm not saying the and, and so you know, just so we're all clear, so there's no drama later. I'm not saying Gibson sued them for any wrong reasons. What I'm saying was is that I'm that just furthers the point. Also, so you know, I think Gibson also sued one of them, saying that Gibson had already created this product 
and that that this was a similar product to something Gibson had created before. I read an article a long time ago. This is a decade ago. Keep in mind. But my point is, I can tell you that that stuff, all those things, uh, you know, the details of those, you know, are, are hard to recall now. But what is important is this. I know this as an industry, including myself, we did not understand Guitar Hero and Rock Band, right? I mean, here's how it started. This is true. You guys, again, some of you guys are going to remember this story. Uh, music stores not only didn't talk about Guitar Hero and Rock Band, we were like, they shunned it. And next thing you know, it was like they started selling it, right? Because they realized it was helping. So it was helping get people into the industry. In fact, it was probably, probably the last big guitar boom in sales was Rock Band Guitar, uh, guitar Hero. Uh, and I'm not uh, right. I mean, they were the last thing that probably created a boom in our industry. So interesting. Ah, Ben Ford says I got into guitar because of guitar hero. Yeah. I would imagine a lot of players again. Uh, uh, Gareth says, uh, he says it's a little embarrassing. It's not embarrassing. He says a little embarrassing, but yep, I'm 27 now and I got addicted to white stripes. LOL. Yeah. Again, it's not, it's, it's, uh, I, I, again, it's, it doesn't matter how you got into guitar. I always think that's a, such a weird thing. Uh, players get really caught up into that somehow. Like if you don't, if, you, if, if Van Halen didn't get you into guitar or if Clapton didn't get you into guitar, there's some kind of silliness there. You know what I mean? Um, you know, one of my favorite interviews, John Mayer said he got into guitar because of Michael J. Fox playing you know, guitar for, for Back to the Future. That, that's legit. So, you know, that, that happened. He said that in an interview. And uh I don't care if you like John Mayer or you don't like John Mayer or you think he's a good guitar player or not. Uh, I, I really like him. But but the point is is that uh, he's he's a legitimate artist in the industry when it comes to size and scale of selling albums. And he's <laughs> literally out there going, yeah, I watched a movie and <laughs> and uh, decided to play guitar even though I don't think Michael J. Fox at the time played guitar. I could be wrong. I'd like to know that. I think he plays guitar now. Uh, and then oh, we'll kind of button this up now because we're over the hour. But uh, Mike says, I was lucky enough to learn guitar in school. We had an acoustic guitar class in junior high. Yeah, that's not true for most of us. Like I didn't have, they didn't have a guitar in my school when I went to school. <laughs> Kenneth said he started playing guitar because of Gordon Lightfoot. And the wave hit the boat and they all died like rats. <laughs> they lay there with their lungs filled with water. Anyways, uh, <laughs> Gordon Lightfoot. I think he's probably more underrated than people give him credit for. Um, okay, so uh, all right, let's uh, let's do one last question before I, I go. Let's make sure that uh, I didn't miss any of the super chats, and then we'll we'll make sure we do one non super chat. Um, first, uh, Tim just wanted to let me know. I, just cause I rock Tim. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. Tony just said, uh, have a beer, Phil, man. I'm going to, you guys really trying to make me an alcoholic or something. No. And then Reggie, Reggie, I got your email, buddy. I just have not had chance. I saw the pictures of it. It looked pretty brutal. I was like, this week went by. I swear it was like last Friday was 10 minutes ago, but I'm, I will promise that you are on my priority list for this week. And I will respond to that email. I saw it. it says, thanks, Phil. Have a, a beer. Uh, uh, did you get my email? Oh, by the way. Yeah, I got, yeah. I'm answering the question before I read the question. Yes, Reggie, I got it. Uh, I'm going to read it and respond to you. I pinned it. It's all, it's all set aside for me. I just haven't got a chance to it. I didn't hit any emails really this week. Um, obviously you guys saw released a video 
uh, uh, Wednesday, Thursday. Today's the live show. Tomorrow there's a video. There's going to be a lot of videos. I actually told the patrons there's an avalanche of videos coming. Uh, you guys, uh, if you guys have been wanting me to make more videos, you're going to be happy. If you guys are sick of my face and my videos, well, you're probably going to be unhappy. I'm sorry. I can't make everybody happy. Uh, it says, HK says, hey, Phil, please recommend a tube amp to contrast with the 1987 two. 2554 silver jubilee uh marshall combo or another marshall okay so uh, what okay recommend a tube amp to contrast with that amp um well i have that amp uh a fender amp <laughs> to me a fender and a marshall amp are if you want two amps that do two totally different vibing things i think a marshall like if i had a, su a silver jubilee uh what you do right there but i mean even you know like a full size um Silver Jubilee and a Fender amp of some sort. And, uh, uh, but I would stay away from like the basement or any of the fenders, which obviously have more of the lineage to the Marshalls, like my Princeton. Love that. Uh, Vibro, uh, Vibro Lux is great. Uh, Deluxe Reverb. Those are cool. And you, but I would, I like that more than, let's say, like a Vox or anything that's going to be more in that crunch British sound. Uh, you know, think of it this way you have the two flags, you have the British flag and the American flag. Go with the Fender amp and the, the Marshall. Um, that's a great. Great way to complement the sounds. They also sound great together. You ever look at bands, really good iconic rock bands? Don't you love it when one of the guitar players is rocking those Marshalls and the other guys rocking the Fenders, and they just seem to marry uh, really well. One of the best shows I ever saw the guitar player is literally the cl most cliche thing I've ever seen. It was a the the lead guy was playing the Gibson through a Marshall, and the rhythm guy was playing a Tele through a Fender amp, and the marriage of their tone was just like. Like, I don't know if Jim Marshall and Leo Fender and, and, uh, and, and, and Gibson, Gibson Fender and Marshall could have got together and culminated a better, just ingredient package of those sounds together. Just everything. I feel like sonically, everything was filled in perfectly. It sounded great. So there you go. Uh, yeah. And then some of you guys are actually recommending some other amps too. Of course, there's tons of other, others. Uh, other great amps and then matt matt's the last question it says uh giving your uh giving my love for hh strats he's talking about me because he knows i like humbucker humbucker strats i'm surprised you don't own a music man stingray or do you yeah you know music man's an interesting thing because uh you know i haven't looked at sweetwater really but locally every time i walk into a store that has a music man guitar they have like one <laughs> <laughs> right the guitar center has one i went to the dealer had a music man they had two and a music man for me i don't know what it is they're all it's like sir guitar so you know sir guitar is a music man here's something they have in common i honestly could tell you from everything i've touched and played with them and worked on them and just been around them quality no i know i'm not questioning the quality there frets playability sound i'm happy both though have something weird in common to me both sir and music man heavy i'm not into heavy guitars every time i pick one of them up it's like a boat anchor it's just heavy so i don't know why they're so heavy um the music man i have right here uh it's the same thing i got it because i you know it was online it was uh used it was a good price i emailed the guy asked him how much weighed he said 7.2 pounds and i bought it so music man stingray love to get it um i was looking at a couple other music mans as well uh but trying to stay away from the heavy ones so I just don't want to 10, some of them are like 10 pounds, nine and a half pounds. And, and, and so, you know, as a bass player, music man basses are some of the best basses I've ever played as well. And the same reason I don't have a music man bass. It's just, they're heavy. Just after a while it's on your shoulder. It gets a little, just a little weighty. Just, I don't know. 
Um, and I don't think a heavy guitar is bad. Uh, I think I've said this before, and if not, I'll say it now. And we'll, we'll end on this thought. I don't think a heavy guitar is bad. The problem, though, is when you have a guitar that's light and you have a guitar that's heavy, you'll tend to pick up the light one, and that's what the problem is. is once you have a couple of guitars that are really comfortable in the weights that they're at, the heavier guitars, it's not that there's any problem with it, just you tend to not pick them up. So, Because I have a Les Paul. It's like 11 pounds, and I love it, but I tend not to pick it up too much because, I don't know, it's kind of heavy. All right. Um, so on that note, we'll call it. We went 20 over. That's great. We had a great weekend. Great week. We talked about Gibson. We talked about some new product stuff. Uh, we talked about the article. So now I just want to do a shout out. This is an important one because unlike the other shout outs, uh, I updated it. So hopefully everybody I mentioned is the right, right people. So let's go ahead and go to it. It's the uh, live support a crew. It's the people who make this live show happen every week. I want to thank you. Jeffrey Howes, Zachary Rowe, Michael Newman, Bruce in the Saltwater Whiskey Band, Hannah Gunson, uh, John Jex, Michael Shy, Justin Mabe, David Madison, and Passy. Uh, and Passy, I'm, I don't, I'm going to say Pokinen. If I'm saying the names wrong, just email me and let me know I'm saying your name wrong and, and give me the phonetics on it and I'll fix it. Uh, Alice, Alice Dar, uh, McLeod, uh, Andy Dennis, Anthony Desposito, Bob Crosley, Bob Pickwode, Brian Quackenbush, Brian Stewart, Bruce Collins, Chuck Keen, Chief Squatch, Chris at the Guitar Pit, uh, Chris from New Mexico, Craig Parker, Dave R. Guitars, Dennis Prescott, Derek Miller, Aaron Kamicker, Gary Phillips, Gene Graham, uh, Greg Peterson, James Biles, John Russell, Jonathan Pickering, Joseph McCarthy, Kermit Jackson, Larry Culkin, Lawrence Petros from LPD Pedals, Lonnie Hoke, Michael Lidner, Michael Mooney, Muse guitarist Paul Ustrike, Lewis and Alvaro from Pedal Pal Effects, Sam Oram, Steve Hogan, Tim Camacho, Tim Fard Farnsworth, uh, Todd Flowers, and Zesty Basil Pizza. Again, thank you so much for sponsoring and taking care of the show every week and letting me butcher your names and not complaining about it. Uh, and, uh, and as always, thank you guys so much for hanging out and we'll talk next Friday and until next time, know your gear.